This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster Webby. What is good? Yo, it's a, a good Thursday night. A lot going on tonight on the TV in terms of sports. And I think first, before we get into the basketball talk, we got to uh, uh, congratulate, congratulate the Boston Red Sox. I know we had that conversation about how washed baseball is. <laughs> but again, I, like I say, that outfield uh, uh, deservedly so winning. The uh, that outfield of Ben Tendi, Betts, and Bradley Jr. I, I, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. I can't say that I watched much of the World Series, but I am happy for David Price. I was always a big David and Price, Price guy. yeah. So I'm, I'm happy for David Price to get that win and kind of like shut some people up. So that was kind of cool. So you but, didn't stay up. You didn't stay up until 4 a.m. to watch the 18 inning baseball game. Hell no. In fact, Hell I forgot it was no. on. I was watching basketball, forgot it was on, then flipped over, saw it was on, didn't care, started watching the Joe Budden podcast while <laughs> I was editing, <laughs> finished an episode of that, flicked back over, was like, hold on, this game's still on? I'm like, there's no way I would have been watching this, like 0% chance, oh. and went to bed like knowing it was on, like, not a chance. I tried to make it, but uh, on Friday night, I, I got into the sauce a little. Uh, Nothing with, wrong with that. With some buddies, Nothing and I was actually I was in Toronto this weekend, and I actually uh, was hanging out with some people, and I tried staying up and just fell right asleep. Couldn't do it. <laughs> All good, my dude. You know who has been keeping people up lately? The Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, yeah. because they are giving people fits. They are doing work to start the season. Raptors off to a seven and one start, and you know this is where we're going to start our turn up turn down segment webby and as always for those in case you're brand new to the ball on blast podcast where we talk everything nba the turn up turn down segment works like this we give a hot take and then it's either turn up which equals good or turn down which equals bad super simple right real easy real easy so raptors off to a 7-1 start as i mentioned of course Kawhi getting a lot of the headlines Serge and Pascal have been breakout stars of the early season. But there's one man that happens to be leading the league in assists while also scoring 18 points per on 51% shooting. Webby, I'm asking you, Kyle Lowry is the real Raptors MVP? Turn up or turn down? Turn it down. The, okay. the real Raptors MVP is Kawhi Leonard, man. Okay, I, okay. I, I love I love the kind of almost rejuvenation that Kyle Lowry's had this season. I think we both thought he was in for some big things with the change to the lineup and, and bringing in a new coach. Uh, we thought, you know, angry Lowry was going to do some things, and, and he's really performed well. And the assist numbers are amazing. Yeah, We know he can score. We know he can shoot. We know he can lead. But the real difference with this Toronto Raptors team is having a, a top five player in the NBA on their team. They, it is. They, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about DeRozan because he's been playing great. But listen, it, Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard, all right? And, and I, <laughs> it, I think that when you pair him with a guy like Lowry, uh, another defensive-minded, tough dude, like you're going to see yeah. him flourish. But the MVP of this team is, is one of the best five players in the league, and that's Ka- Kawhi Leonard. 
Now, here's the thing, right, Webby? And I, I agree with you, right? I'm also going to turn down on this. Kyle Lowry is not the MVP of the team because, obviously, you're talking about the top five guy, but he, in a top five guy in Kawhi Leonard, obviously. But here's the thing. Kyle Lowry, especially in this early going of the early part of the season, you got Kawhi Leonard resting two out of the eight games that they've played so far this year, and things really have fallen upon Kyle Lowry, the point guard, to kind of – lead the way you know set that example he's getting surge the ball where he needs it he's getting pascal the ball where he needs it obviously feeding danny green who's a great shooter and working well so far this season the thing with kyle i feel like he's the heart and soul of the team you know what i mean Kawhi is definitely the best player but i think this team goes when kyle lowry's going when he's locked in we talk about it a lot and I know he's your Philly guy, and you probably know the signal too, but when Kyle Lowry comes out early on and he knocks down that deep, deep three, yeah, you know it's going to be one of those games, right? You know it's like the Kyle Lowry game. And while, again, Kawhi has been amazing this season when he's played, Kawhi Leonard is showing you the, the levels between good and great, you know, the difference between a two-way player and all that. But when I'm seeing Kyle Lowry take charges, when I'm seeing Kyle Lowry – you know, know that he's coming down the court and in that last game against Philly, for example, right? And Kawhi's made a great play where he made the steal off of Ben Simmons, right. then fed uh, Siakam. But then the next possession, Kyle Lowry can sense, you know, Kawhi's in this game. Kawhi's feeling it. And what's Kyle do? Comes right down the floor, feeds Kawhi. Kawhi hits the three to bury it. Oh, I don't know, man. Listen, there's no question about it. Like, he's the the leader of the team, but MVP I'm not so sure of. The other thing about about Kyle Lowry is uh, we've seen him do this early on in seasons before. We've seen him put up really good numbers, really uh, elite numbers uh, in the first first quarter of seasons before. But that's not what Kyle's about. For the Raptors to really be successful, Kyle Lowry has to be Kyle Lowry. I agree with you about that. But he's got to be Kyle Lowry in... April, May, June. For sure. And I think the only my only argument here for Kyle Lowry being the MVP of the Raptors early season is just the fact that while you're resting Kawhi, that's putting a lot on Kyle exactly. Lowry's shoulders and, right? and in terms of scoring. There's got to be times later on in the season where Kyle's got to rest because we've for seen sure. this story play out before of him putting it all out there in the first four or five months of the season and then down the stretch in the playoffs fading, you know? Totally. No, I totally agree with you, right? And it, it's it's been such a an interesting season so far for Kyle because, as you as we mentioned, right, of course Kawhi's resting, but also there's been injuries in the backcourt, right? Fred Van Fleet's been banged up. DeLon. DeLon Wright's been – he's been hobbled as well. He played a bit better in the last game, but the point guard depth hasn't really been there early, which means so much more falls on the shoulders of Kyle Lowry. He's playing massive minutes, leading the team in minutes as well. I mean, again – Kawhi's definitely the best player, but I'm almost about to call Kyle Lowry the early season MVP just because he's been there soldiering it through night in, night out, playing at such a high clip. And at the end of the day, right, as seeming as as seamless as the transition's been for Kawhi and Danny Green, I put a lot of that on Kyle Lowry, the point guard, just in terms of like, you know, making sure everyone's getting fed, if that makes sense, right? He's given Serge the ball where Serge right. needs it, and we're seeing Serge have a great, great Unbelievable. Year, and a lot of that is Kyle. 
So it's been interesting so far. But well, I would Raps say to get a big test. Right? I would say that you're sounding like you're turning up on this. I know. I might have convinced myself here. Is that is that weird? Is that weird? I might have thought <laughs> no, the other way, nothing. and then I turned myself. That's weird, right? Nothing wrong about that. I mean, it's it's great, and like again, we love both of us love seeing Kyle play at the you know utmost capacities of what we know he can play like, and that's awesome. But you just want him to play like this when the games get tighter and, and longer, you know, and it's a little tougher. And that's why you have Kawhi Leonard. I think that, you know, if they make a playoff run, uh, to have a, a, a fresh, spry Lowry down the stretch is going to be important. Definitely true. And interesting times for the Toronto Raptors, for sure, as, you know, it's, a lot of their early season sked has been at home and they're about to head out on the road. And things will get interesting for the Raptors. they got the West Coast swing coming up. They play Phoenix. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be they're playing Phoenix on Friday night, followed up with the Lakers on Sunday, Utah on Monday, and then West Coast trip wraps up in Sacramento next Wednesday. So, you know, if you're looking at the – No gimmies. No gimmies. There's no gimmies. Like, you want the Raptors to get at least three of those games, no? Phoenix, so Phoenix, Lakers, Lakers Utah. And and that's three. Here's the thing, though, too. Or that's that's five. Here's, Listen, Sacramento. Sacramento's been playing real good. They man. have been. They have been. And here's the thing, too. There's a lot of talk about Kawhi Leonard still going to sit out the back to back. So the assumption is he'll play against the Lakers, and then we'll sit out against Utah. Sit against Utah. Are you okay with this plan where Kawhi is sitting out back to back, the second half of back to backs, early on in the year? Hundred percent. He played nine games last season. Okay. Okay. It's simple for you. I like, I, I like that. It's just firm. Yep. No problem. No question about it, bro. Like this, the the goal of this season for the Raptors isn't to have a great regular season or to put together a stretch of twenty straight wins. No, 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 no. The, the goal of this season is to win the NBA championship, which is a real like, a, you know, make the NBA championship would be an attainable goal. Win it is is there. You can do it, but you're not going to win the NBA championship by playing a second night of a back-to-back in <laughs> November. No, it's true. Right? So I, I think that I think the whole, like, the, the whole news cycle around Kawhi sitting back-to-backs or that, like, take that, you know, well, why do we, what do we get him for if he can't play back-to-backs and what does that mean about his long term? I think that if he, if he wants to sit, man, you let him sit. No. I mean, that's tough to come back after not playing for a full year. Also, too, I'll be, I'll be like, 10,000% honest with you right as a fan like purely as a fan and i'll say this i'll say this for people who might not be familiar with the podcast but one of the things or one of the things i always like to say is that i have two ways that i look at things right there's a way that's as a fan which is completely like irrational right yeah right and there's like obviously i work in sports television like i'm an intelligent person that knows shit about sports right right and so there's two different ways to think about it and so you know, obviously, as a fan, selfishly, you want to see Kawhi Leonard play every single game possible in a Raptors uniform because you don't know how many games he'll end up playing. So, selfishly, I want to see him suit up against everybody this year, right? But now when you take a step back and let's say the the day job Shelly, the producer Shelly, right, of sports television, you're able to critically think and understand the fact that, you know, it's not a joke when people are talking about championship aspirations for the Toronto Raptors. You're watching them play and you're seeing like, oh no, this team fully 1,000% healthy 
can match up with anybody in the league. And yes, I said anybody in the league. I'm not saying that they'll yeah. beat Golden State, but I'm saying they could give Golden State a go, right? And I, I'm not even – that's not hyperbole. That's not whatever. I'm saying a healthy Toronto Raptors team, when you're seeing the depth of what they're able to throw out there and how they've looked so far this season. So clearly, as you said, you didn't get Kawhi Leonard for you know back-to-backs in October or November. You didn't get Kawhi Leonard to have a great regular season because realistically, been there, done that. This is about trophies, championship aspirations, Eastern Conference title. This is about the playoffs. And so I'm okay with it too, Webby. I'm right there with you, man. I totally agree. No question. So the other thing too, we mentioned the Raptors sked. If we go backwards a little bit here, there's some interesting matchups, right? We saw the Raptors lose to the Bucks by like they got blown out in a game where there was no Kawhi and there was no Giannis in that game. Giannis. Then we also saw the Raptors on the second night of that back-to-back with Kawhi in the lineup. Take down your Sixers. So oh. two interesting games for the Raptors as you're looking at two teams also projected to be atop the Eastern Conference. I kind of want to get your take on not only those two games, Webby, but also how you're ranking the Sixers and Bucks as two squads. Yikes. Well, <laughs> one of... The- one of the teams is an elite Eastern Conference uh, contender mm-hmm. with one of the best young players uh, on the planet okay. in the NBA, and, and the other is the Philadelphia Sixers. Ooh, okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing. Like, uh, that game on the, um, what was the Bucks game? The Bucks game was, was Monday. Sunday night? Monday night. Monday. And, and then the Sixers game was Tuesday. So the game on Monday night is a, I, I don't think that, Anybody who watched that game, you know, if you're a Raptors fan and you were looking to like advance scout the Minnesota, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, I don't think that that game's going to do much for you because their number one player and like literally like one of the best players in the league didn't suit up and didn't suit up for the Raptors either. So that's neither team at full capacity. I thought that that I thought that the Sixers Raptors game really said a lot more about both teams. And that's why I'm a little worried about the Sixers. It's interesting. And my, my biggest takeaway from the Bucks game, and you're right, there was no Kawhi, there was no uh, Giannis. And, of course, for the Raptors as well, there was no Freddie, there was no OG. Like, the Raptors were missing, like, yeah, key Yeah, Fred pieces, and right? OG, yeah. So the one thing, my biggest takeaway from the Bucks game was just that Mike Budenholzer has changed how that team plays. Oh, yeah. Right? And it also goes to show you that Jason Kidd is a bad coach. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So, what I, yeah, exactly. What I got from the Bucks is that this is a different Bucks team in the sense that they have the same players. I mean, you add in a few little pieces here and there, but the style of play is way different, right? Like, that's a team that went from shooting, or I think it was attempting 24 threes last year to attempting 40 threes a game this year. Like, it's just night and day in terms of how that team plays, the style of play. It's up and down, fast-tempoed, shooting threes, any chance they get. It's totally different, and, you know, it's more than Giannis. That's what I got from that, too. And I know that, obviously, they'll play differently with Giannis on the floor, but I feel like those other guys are more empowered by the system that they're running. It's not just stay. And you know what? There's similarities between the Raptors and Bucks too, right? Because it's not just yeah. one guy iso ball while everyone stands around and watches. There's action going on on the backside, right? Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. There's, there's, there's player movement happening. There's back cuts. There's all these different things. And it just looked like 
a completely different team. That was cool. But to also co-sign what you said about the Sixers, Webby, in the middle of that game, I said, wow, it doesn't look like the Sixers are on the same level as the Raptors at all. Bro, it was uh, it was a little disconcerting. But, you know, the other thing about that game, it really goes to show you what today's NBA is all about, right? Sure. I mean, you, you can be down 24 points, but if you start to get hot from behind the arc, mm-hmm. you can just, like, pull even with anybody. Totally. Now, my, my real beef with the Sixers right now is that, like, they're a good team if everything goes right. Yeah. If J.J. comes out and hits threes, they're great. If Embiid stays out of foul trouble, he can be dominant. If Markel Fultz pr- uh, pushes the ball up the court, he can be a successful player. But all these things have to ha- – like, ra- same with Robert Covington. He, like, personifies what I think the Sixers are right now, which is, like, if it starts to go right, it can be really good. But when it goes bad, like, you're not going to beat anybody. Yeah. And the problem is is that right now, early on in this season, you're getting more and more these things not happening than they are happening. This is interesting too, and I didn't. I don't know when I when I wrote out kind of like things we we're gonna talk about. It dawned on me like we might end up stuck on this for a while because obviously you're a big Sixers fan, and this game against the Raptors to me was a really big deal just because I feel like coming into this season, all the talk was about oh Celtics Sixers NBA or uh, Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I mean? Yeah. People well, kind of Raptors were in I the think... talk too, but I feel no, no, like... no. I think there were four. I think there were four coming into this season, and they were. Celtics, Raptors, Sixers, and Bucks. But I That's don't kind know of what the, you... the talk was really on the Bucks and Raptors nearly as much as it was Ooh, about the Sixers uh, and, and Celtics. But even with that said, just watching the two teams play, there are a lot of things in that game that I that as a Sixers fan I kind of looked at. Not as a Sixers fan, but I mean, right. if I was a Sixers fan looking at that, it was kind of like. Okay, well, Kawhi put the clamps on Ben Simmons. That was, but Kawhi's going to do that to anybody, right? So that was kind of a weird one for Simmons, a lot of turnovers there. But I had questions for people who watch more Sixers games. Luckily, I'm talking to one right now. But like TJ McConnell, he barely played in that game. I thought that was weird. Also, they're trying to force feed Fultz into the starting lineup, and I don't know if that's the right move. Okay, so the McConnell thing, I mean, of course, yeah, I think he should have played way more, especially when they kind of – it seemed like Fultz was DOA. Yeah, and, and they did keep trying to bring him back out there, and I thought that I, I agree with you that those minutes were uh, like tailor made for TJ to come in because that's kind of what he provides you, and I think that they're not using him enough to kind of spell uh, faults rather than trying to bring him on in like garbage time or whatever. I don't know what he's done to the coaching staff, but Brett Brown used to love him last year, and now it's a lot of Mike Muscala. Yeah, you know, it's just super weird how things now, have been. How things the, for sure. The Raptors game was a little funny, okay, because a and uh, B got in early foul trouble, mm-hmm. and I think that that really uh, that uh, to say that yeah, when MB doesn't play, it hurts the Sixers. Like that's obvious, right? But it it throws their whole offense and defense out of whack when he's not there on the court. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing that the Raptors did a really good job of is attacking the weaknesses of the Sixers, even with MB in there. Like yeah. you say, put the put the clamps on Simmons and make him try and shoot to beat you, you know? Like, they, they did a lot right against the Sixers, and it was just kind of disconcerting when you, like you say, like this is a team that came in as like a team that was had really good chance of making it to the conference finals or the NBA finals. Yeah. But they've got some stuff to figure out, and you know what? 
I think they're one piece away. I think that they came into this season thinking that, you know, this was a team that's good enough to get to the NBA Finals. But I, eh, they need one more piece. They need they needed to go after Paul George. They need Jimmy you, Butler. Are you in on the Jimmy move? Like, should, would you give up either, let's say, Fultz or Sarich? I'd give up. I, I'd give up Sarge for yeah, sure for Jimmy Butler. He looked. He looks he's, like a different guy so far. He's fallen off a cliff, man. He's Super brutal. Super weird. Not looking good so far for the Sixers. And looking good looking though. Good, I mean, like, hold on. Hold looking on. good. What I was gonna say is, <laughs> as an East power so far, right? Like, okay. If you're looking at the other teams in the East that they're supposed to be in the same tier as. It doesn't look that way so far. Mind you, it's really early. Obviously, we haven't even played 10 games in the season. But when you do a weekly podcast, these are the kind of things you talk about, right? True. And uh, (laughs) tonight, looking a lot better at home against the Clippers. Like, when Embiid plays a full game, he's at, like, he's got, like, 40 points and 16 rebounds. He's one of five guys in the league averaging 25 and 10. And so when he plays a full game, I mean, it's a different story for the Sixers, right? I wonder that too. And the one last thing I want to ask you about that, because we kind of talked about it on our uh, post-game Raptors show, which, yes, that was a shameless plug. But yeah, absolutely. We talk, I asked a question, right? In this NBA, where you have every single team basically running up and down and shooting threes, right? And trading threes for twos, or at least attempting to do that. Can your team win the championship or have like serious championship aspirations if your best player is a traditional big guy? Yes, but okay. you've got to have enough pieces around you, you gotta play to, com- to complement that, right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't think that – I wouldn't say that Joel Embiid is a traditional big man. He can step out. He can step out and knock down the Jimmy, and obviously he's a lot more athletic than, like, you know, your 90s big guys. But you know what I mean? Like, you're still dumping it down to him in the post and running your offense that way. Yeah, but isn't that what, like, I mean, Kawhi Leonard can play. You can dump down into the post. You can do the same with LeBron James, yeah, right? Yeah, but that's not really how those teams I play. understand. He's not you know like. You what I'm saying? Like, everyone's yeah. running up and down. I think, like, the lowest points per game is, like, 100. Like, it's just everyone's running up and down and scoring, and it's all fast-paced, and it's not really slow down, half-court offense, dump it into your big guy and go. Uh, but I wouldn't even say that that's necessarily the Sixers' offense. I'm, it, okay. it is part of it, you know, and especially okay. if you want to get Embiid going. But there's a lot of three-point shooting or attempted three-point shooting here on the Sixers. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. They just need to get those guys back in the lineup. As yeah. Even JoJo said that, right? Yeah, exactly. He said something to that effect, like they need their shooters on the court. Um, but we but you know what? Fultz is like a plus 24 tonight. He played great. Markel. Okay. He took it right at Boban, actually. The third quarter running out, he just took it right at the big guy. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we talked about it being the early season and lots to talk about, of course, because teams get off to red-hot starts, but there are other teams that kind of fall back. And here's one one hot take for you. DeMar DeRozan will get MVP votes this season. Now, Mr. Webster, I bring this up because – so far, your man's is going for twenty seven and six. Spurs are five and two. Are you buying that DeMar DeRozan will get MVP votes this season? I mean, his numbers across the board are career highs. He's averaging like he's averaging like 
two more assists per game than he ever did, and he's averaging like two more rebounds a game than he ever did. It's crazy. I think this is one of those classic cases of it's super early. And I know they've beaten some teams, and I know that DeMar stepped up a lot, and he's he's done an amazing job in terms of handling a, the bulk of the playmaking for a team that's missing their point guard. But it's super early, and I'm not buying into the Spurs even being a solid playoff team in the Western Conference. Now, You're I'm not, not. Saying they're missing... I'm not saying they're missing the playoffs for sure, but I think it'll be a battle for the Spurs to make the playoffs. I just Do don't you... think that a, a team that is built around, like, hey, if Greg Popovich is able to get a top four seed in the West with DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Rudy Gay, hey, Pop is a, the real-life GOAT. And he might already be that. You know Isn't what I'm he already? This might be one of his, his like, greatest coaching talents or oh. moments ever because – Listen, right now it's great, and we've seen DeMar DeRozan have hot starts like that before. We've seen this happen before. I just don't know if it's sustainable if you're San Antonio, and I think there's a lot of good teams out west that they're going to be battling for a playoff spot. I don't think it's that it's that locked and loaded that the Spurs are a definite playoff team. I think it is. And I, honestly, look at their team last year, and they made it to the they made it into the playoffs. I, I think they're. they're I think they are a you can write it in in black sharpie. How about that? That they'll <laughs> that they'll make the playoffs, man. That's a team definitely that I believe in. And I, again, like we talked about this when the trade happened for DeRozan and and La, and I always like to call him Kyle, but it's Kawhi. When <laughs> with that trade, we said that DeRozan's going to a perfect perfect fit for him on that team. For and, sure. And honestly, when the point guard went down. Uh, when Deontay Murray. Deontay Murray went down, this is a great position for Demar to be in as kind of the, the the shooting point guard for this team. It is a thing where they they look great so far. I just don't think it's sustainable. And again, like oh, Demar Derozan no, 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 is no. a great player, but I think Demar Derozan is going to sum up Demar exactly Derozan. What's going to be the problem with this Spurs team? And the problem is. Their defense isn't good, right? They don't have good defense. And the fact that they don't shoot threes well. They're they're okay, but in a league where, again, everybody's running up and down and shooting threes, I don't but think this hot start for the Spurs so far, they're going to maintain it. Uh, man. We'll have to revisit it. We'll we, revisit I, we will it. revisit this because I am, I'm writing them in, in black Sharpie ink to get into the <laughs> – to get into the playoffs, for sure. No question about it. Fair enough. I, fair enough. And honestly, like, yo, the, the number jump just being in this new system for, for DeRozan is really impressive. For sure. No, he's off to a great start. More power, more life to DeMar DeRozan, who, you know, clearly, much like Kyle, has used the offseason stuff as motivation in the early going of this season. And yeah, I think the Spurs, though, things will settle down and people will remember that it's Rudy Gay and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, yeah, they'll, they'll come back down to reality. But, hey, I could be wrong. Another team talking about coming back down to reality. <laughs> After a 6-0, an Owen, wow, oh. I was about to say 6-0. They're definitely not 6-0. After an 0-6 start, the Cleveland Cavaliers decided that they were going to part ways with Tyron Lue, after an 0-6 start, 
my hot take for you, Webby, is the Cavs are an embarrassing organization. Turn up or turn down. Uh, well, <laughs> like uh, the whole organization, I'm going to turn down because they've won an NBA championship. Okay. There are franchises out there that have not won NBA championships. I do, not, I do not think I, I can rate a team, a franchise that does not have a chip above the Cleveland Cavaliers. Although you know it's bad when J.R. Smith is asking for a trade away. <laughs> Mr. Supreme himself. When, when, nobody, when nobody wants to coach the team. Shit, call me up. I'll coach the Cavs. I'll even Yo, take, here's, I'll here's, even take some soup thing. being thrown at me every once in a while. Everybody thinks they're too good to coach the Cavs. It's like... It's an NBA coaching job. Yeah, exactly, bro. What's well, Patino doing? What's Patino doing? I mean, Patino's <laughs> probably would take a, a basketball job coaching anyway. He said he, wanted to, he said he wanted to coach in the NBA again. Uh, it's super interesting, though. And the reason I'm going to turn up on this and say the Cavs are definitely an embarrassing organization because... The, the reality of the situation of that franchise is the only reason that it's ever had a sniff of success is because LeBron was born near their team. That's it. If LeBron's not born near their team, that is a garbage dumpster fire of an organization. And they're basically that anyways. Like, LeBron's first stint, they weren't able to put enough around him. He leaves. They go back to being that bad that they were able to get what? three number one picks or enough number one picks to where it added enough value to get LeBron to come back. Right. But then he leaves again. And so you're now going to fire Tyron Lou, who brought you to how many consecutive Eastern conference finals, but also you mentioned the NBA championship that they won. He was the coach of the Eastern right. championship that they won. And you're just going to, fire him after an 0-6 start? Like, what did you expect? You had LeBron James, and now you don't. <laughs> no, you don't that even, might take a while to figure things out. You don't even right? have Kevin Love. Also true. And there were reports, uh, what's his name? Joe Varden of The Athletic said that uh, he reported that a lot of players were upset about the firing of Tyron Lue. I mean, and obviously Tyron Lue's a, a player's coach, right? right? So he's well-liked in the locker room. But there seemed to be dissension because – Lou wanted to play more of the veteran guys, but the front office was more behind playing the younger guys, which, you know, that seems like something you'd be able to, to work out and sort out, but I also don't think it's something that matters because I think you were going to take L's regardless. Right. So, like, what were your expectations if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers? Then on top of that, you can't even handle, you know, sorting out your interim coaching situation. <laughs> like, this franchise is a complete and utter joke complete joke cleveland cavaliers i would say that yeah i agree with you this year could be a wash but again, <laughs> but again it's like the uh it's like that andy sandberg lonely island song uh yeah but i still had sex right it's like yeah yeah we we suck now and jr smith is demanding a trade but you know what we still won a championship that's fair i bet you everyone in cleveland would not trade that yeah, like, call them embarrassing. The memories of that, calling, whatever. Right? Call them embarrassing all you like. They still want a championship. <laughs> You're right. You're right at the end of the day, Webby. I don't have any answer for that at all. Dan Gilbert, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, Dan Gilbert is a winner. Which, <laughs> oh, Yeah, that's the thing. 
moving on to our next turn up, turn down topic. The Lakers have started the season three and five, three and five. And that's only because their third win came as they barely, barely beat the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, last second free throw by LeBron James. Hold on. How about my doughy boy? He's putting in work. Yo, he's nice, though. He's putting in work. He's nice. I I will admit I was wrong. You, Mr. Andrew Webster, were correct in our discussion about would he have a good season or not. And so far, so good. I was wrong. I I thought you were going to say the conversation that we had, is he doughy or is he just a white guy? Well, I'm um, still not sure. I'm sticking with Doughy. I'm though. sticking with Doughy. Yo, Doughy can play, though. Doughy can play. Pillsbury Doughboy. He can. He can. He, he can ball so far. So, yeah. Uh, we know that Lakers players can ball. We just don't know if they can ball together yeah. yet as they're off to a very slow start. But the next hot take is in our turn up, turn down segment. Again, turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. The hot take is the Lakers will not make the playoffs this season. Webby, what say you? Turn up or turn down? It's so tough to bet against LeBron James. I'm going to turn down on that. I think it's going to be more likely that they make the playoffs than get this than if the Houston Rockets make the playoffs. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. We will get to the Houston Rockets in a second. But in terms of this, will the Lake the Lakers will not make the playoffs? I'm also going to turn down on that for the exact reason that you said. I will not bet against LeBron James. And one of the main re- other than him still being the best player on the planet, one of the reasons why I will not bet against LeBron is because we've seen early season LeBron before. We've seen LeBron joining a new team. Yeah, we've seen new team LeBron. Goes. We've seen that struggle before, right? When he first left Cleveland and went to Miami, it took them a while to get it going. They didn't get off to a good start. When he left Miami and went back to Cleveland, they didn't get off to a good start. So him now leaving Cleveland and going to the Lakers, guess what? They didn't get off to a good start. But you know what happened in all of those years anyways? They made it to the NBA Finals. Now, are they going to make the NBA Finals this year? Probably not. But you know what? They'll definitely make the playoffs. Why? Because they have LeBron James. It's just that simple. And I know sometimes, you know, we got to go to stats or we got to go to, like, find some, like, crazy rhyme or reasoning for these things. But I will always bet on LeBron James. He's feeling out his teammates. He's he's. I know it sounds dumb, and we talked about this a lot while watching the Cavaliers struggle through last season. We talked a lot about, is LeBron trying or is he not trying? Right. It sounds ridiculous, but he's not trying. He's feeling his way through games still, right? He's not. And by trying, we mean, is he going ham, right? It, it's funny you bring that up. He is still definitely, I don't even necessarily know if he's, uh, like, feeling out his own players, let, let alone feeling out the system. What can he do? What can he do with what what they've got going on and, yeah, the roster around him, like, and then I think you're right. As as these weeks go by, we're going to see him start to ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up. And then you're really going to see who can play with him, who yeah. wants to play with him, and who doesn't, and who can't. And then that, then we'll really understand this team. Now, yeah, I, I just can't bet against LeBron making the playoffs. You can't bet against LeBron to make the playoffs. Of course he's going to make the playoffs. I remember LeBron a couple years ago, and mind you, he's older, right? So I think chilling LeBron – as an older LeBron looks a lot slower, looks a lot less 
engaged, if that's the right term. You know what I mean? But I still think that he can turn it on. And also, I think they have a good roster. They just got to figure out, everyone's got to figure out, you know, where they sit in the totem pole. You know what I mean? Like, who gets the ball in certain situations? Right. Is it Ingram or is it um, Kuzma that can be the main scorer when LeBron's not on the floor? Which one of them is the second scorer when LeBron is on the floor? Like, all of these things take time to figure out. And one of the bright signs early to me was, you know, after the whole fight stuff and the suspensions and all that, you saw games from Kyle Kuzma. Like, what stood out to me the most was Kyle Kuzma wasn't like your typical guy playing alongside LeBron. And what I mean by that is you see people be super passive when they're on the floor with LeBron, yeah. right? Like they're standing around watching him or waiting for him to make plays or seeing what he's going to do. Kuzma wasn't about that life at all. Kuzma was like, Get oh, involved. I'm on a two-on-one with LeBron. Well, he's like, I'm on a two-on-one with LeBron. I'm not passing it to LeBron. I'm dunking it, right? <laughs> and I think like that's what you want to see. You want to see guys with confidence alongside LeBron because he's at this point of his career, he can't carry the team for 82 games no. and then – for a full playoff run. They're going to need these young bucks to step up if they want to win a round in the playoffs. And so I think it's kind of cool to see that early. I, again, Kuzma, I think, is really good, better than people give him credit for, even though I know he gets talked about a lot, but I still think he's better than most people think. And Ingram, I think, is going to be okay. And if things really start to hit the fan, they're going to make a trade, <laughs> right? So I think, I think Ingram's nice. I think like, he's nice too. Yeah. I think that was a big rebound game that he had after the suspension. He came out and he scored like 24 or 26 points. Yeah. Like, I think he's got some real talent, and I think that's a good kind of score to pair with a LeBron. Same with Kuzma. I think those two with LeBron is pretty good. And then we'll just see when they bring in Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. Right. Um, yeah, I just think, too, you got a lot of characters on that team that you got to get used to playing with, right? Namely, Lance. The Lance experience is amazing. Yo, Lance You're not was watching gr- Lakers yo, games. <laughs> Lance was fantastic the other night. Yo, my guy on a two-on-one tried to throw LeBron a behind-the-back alley-oop pass. <laughs> like, not he went around his back, had the ball in front, and tried to throw the alley-oop. No, he tried to throw an alley-oop pass behind his back, like in the air behind his back to LeBron. Obviously, it went like way in the wrong direction. And then Lance turns and he's like, my bad, my bad. Like, really? It was a beautiful thing. No, but whose bad is it? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's so amazing. Lance Stevenson, uh, if you love basketball, if you love fun things, He's you got to just watch the Lakers and Lance Stevenson. The other thing was, like, you watch the bench during that play, and I know we're on a, an audio medium here, and I'm talking about a lot of visual things, <laughs> but you know what? It's 2018, so you can be listening to something while looking something up on your phone. And with the magic of Twitter, you can just type in Lance Stevenson bad pass, and it'll pop up. I don't know, while you're still you'll, probably get a, you'll probably get a mixtape of bad Lance passes. Right? It's called technology, right? 2018. But when you do watch back that play, I urge you to just pay attention to the bench because as Lance has it and he tries to throw the pass, you see JaVale McGee jump up on the bench and then you see Luke, like JaVale McGee jumps up in anticipation as if this pass is going to actually work. (laughs) And then you see right beside him, it's Luke Walton standing up, like just like being so angry because he's like, what are you doing? Uh, The Lakers are the best. 
Lakers. What did we call last year? We called the Cavs. Keeping up with the Cavs, the best yeah. reality show in the league. Keeping up with the Cavs. Who's going to throw Keep soup? <laughs> right. We're not keeping up with the Cavs this year. That's for sure. But the Lakers, I don't know. We'll come up with something for for what Lance Lance will make them dance. Even LeBron calling them make them dance. Lance. Make them dance, Lance, man. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, Lakers basketball, they will be in the playoffs. Continue to watch Lakers games because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, Another good team times. that is having a lot of fun. The Golden State Warriors, Webby. Yeah. And, you know, I did a big sigh there because I know it's it's a hot-button issue on this podcast between you and I, the Golden State Warriors. We're haters. But here's the, here's the hot take. The Warriors are bad for the NBA. Turn up or turn down. The reason why – no, well – the reason why this is a hot take is because there's some people that see what Golden State is doing and just running everybody off the floor, having these like record setting games as just another example of, well, it's just unfair. Their team is too good. But what say you, Webby? Are the Warriors bad for the NBA? I don't think the Warriors are bad for the NBA. I think we don't like them because they make the playoffs boring and the ultimate, you know, NBA finals boring, but I'll tell you why they're not boring is because every night, as stacked as they are, they can have nights like Clay's or like Steph Curry's night the other night when he dropped 50. Like, say what you will about what you think about Steve Kerr as a coach or Steph Curry as a entertaining NBA superstar, but yeah. these guys are are on, and when they're on, it's must-see TV. When I heard Clay was going off, I flipped right over. You know, like, isn't that the best? Like we talk about NBA Twitter all the time on this podcast, obviously. They're made isn't that for the best it. when something starts happening on Twitter and you just see like five tweets in a row. That's like Clay, Clay, Clay. Yeah. That's it. And you're like, oh, where's the remote? And you're flipping over right there. As much of a Golden State hater as I am, if you listen to this podcast and you know, I have a rule where I do not watch the Golden State Warriors in the regular season. And I might not. I watch them in the playoffs because it's the playoffs, but. I will say they are not bad for the NBA because as much as I hate on the Warriors, I still have a vested interest in the Warriors because there's storylines all the time and, you know, I, I want to root against them. So whether I like them or dislike them, I feel something about them, right? Like yeah. it's not the Brooklyn Nets. They're not. Hold on. Like the oh, Nets, that right? was – listen, the, did you see the Brooklyn Nets game the other night? No. Spen did not Spencer Dimwitty? Oh, I did see that. Was that the one against uh, the Knicks? The Knicks, game? and then did you see what he said afterwards? No. So he goes off in the fourth quarter, like late in the fourth quarter, hitting nasty three-pointers plus the foul. He hits a okay. step back over Andre Drummond in overtime to ice the game. They asked yeah. him, like, after the game, they were like, you know, Spencer, you, you hit that. tell us about that shot over Andre Drummond. And he goes, I had hoodie Kermit in my head, and a hoodie <laughs> – Hoodie, Hoodie Kermit told me, hit that step back three over Andre Drummond. And so he's like, and he's like, you know what I did? I listened to Hoodie Kermit. I was like, yo, Spencer did when he's this shit. What a stud. That is incredible. But that's, that is incredible. A, that's my thing about the NBA too, though. It's like every night. Look at Derrick Rose the other night. Exactly. It's exactly. every night there's something going on. Right now I'm watching the Boston Celtics have hit like – 22 three-pointers against the Bucks. Yeah, Like, it's every night there's some huge thing that's happening, whether it's funny on social media or a new record getting broken or just, like, some crazy dunk or something hilarious that happened. It's great. It's every night. You're totally right. And you know what? The Warriors, 
my biggest beef in prior years with the Warriors was that the regular season didn't matter or it didn't seem like the regular season mattered to them. And it was apparent, right? Like it, it was apparent. They just weren't trying this year so far. I think they're off to what? Seven and one start, right. eight and one start, something like that. They're off to a great start this year, but the way that they're winning and especially the week that they're coming off of, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, Warriors are eight and one to start the season, right? But the way that they're doing it so far, just look at the week that they had. Last Wednesday, Steph has 51. Durant scores 41 in New York on Friday. And then Klay Thompson follows that up with 52. It's like these guys are having like internal games within the games, right? Where it's just like, all right, who are we going to get off tonight? Okay, Clay, your turn. You go, right? And then the next game, it's like, oh, Durant's in New York. You know what? Let's troll all these New York Knicks fans as if Durant's actually going to come to town and let's have Durant go off. And it's it's just hilarious to me to watch these guys play this game. And it's a better way of them to make a mockery of the regular season than they were last year by just not trying. But to me, it's also just apparent that, like, this isn't fair because they can just do whatever they want. Did you notice in that Clay Thompson game where he he was bombing mad threes that Alfonso McKinney, yes, the same guy <laughs> who was on the Raptors D League team last year, went for like nineteen and ten. <laughs> and you know, know that he happened to be he happened to be playing in Chicago, his hometown, right? So obviously, like, how easy is it to assume that these guys are like, oh, the kid's playing in his hometown. Let's make sure he has a nice night. And they're just feeding him <laughs> yeah. because they can do that shit because they can put up 92 points. And a half. And like, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't make sense. But the real reason why, like, they're not bad for the NBA. But you know how they can be better for the NBA? If they just went full on heel and embrace this. And what I mean by that is Clay had 52 points and didn't play in the fourth quarter. Right. Steph, when he had his 51, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. Why not? Steve Kerr, like, just go full heel. Stop pretending as if you're not in on this whole troll of the fact that we're just better than everyone and we know that we're better than everyone. And let these guys go for something historic. If you're putting up 52 in three quarters, yo, let Clay go for 75. Why not? Why not? Uh, it, What's the point in pulling? Listen, I, I, nobody wants to play the villain in the NBA. Nobody wants to, other than maybe Patrick Beverly. <laughs> yes, that is that is a very good point right there. That is a very good point. But your boy Steve Kerr, the the one last thing on the Warriors. Steve more Steve Kerr. Kerr game was trying more to Steve Kerr no, slander. This is why I every week, every Steve week, Kerr. Steve Kerr's. I don't even like him, but now I feel that I feel like that I have to stick up for him just because nobody will. You do so that we don't just yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Steve, Steve Kerr, three titles in four years. What a bum! <laughs> right. No, but it's these. It's things like this. Okay, this guy's in the post game after Clay's game where he goes for whatever the record was, fourteen threes, right? And Steve Kerr's like, "Oh, you know, I didn't even really realize what was happening with the record. Yeah, Someone brought bullshit. it up in one of the huddles. Someone brought it up in one of the huddles that he like tied the record, and I was like, oh, that's pretty nice. Then I thought like, oh." Who has the record? I'm like, oh, Steph, do you have the record? And I turned to Steph and I'm like, get out of here, Steve Kerr. Like, how are you pretending that you don't know that Steph Curry right. has the top two spots on like most threes made in a game? 
A, you were there, right? Like you're on the sidelines watching it. Like, what are we talking about right now? I just hate the nonchalant. Like, I want them to lean into the fact that they rigged the game so that they would have the best team. And just, I want them to steamroll everybody and just score 200 points in a game and let Clay or Steph go for 100. Just do Agreed. That's what I want them to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, we all hate them enough already. It's not like they could do any more to make us hate them anymore. Also, too, I know, and it, you're, you're right, too, about there's no villains in the NBA because, like, I don't think that Steph Curry or Clay is doing that on Patrick Beverly. No. Right? Like, Patrick Hell Beverly no. is throwing an elbow at someone, like, right? You know what I mean? Like, that NBA is kind of gone where, like, people are just letting you – like, Clay Thompson was shooting open threes, which doesn't really make sense to me when you're watching the highlights. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a hard foul at some point, and that doesn't happen in the NBA anymore. But anyways, you mentioned, Webby, NBA Twitter, right? Which leads us to our Feed Me segment, which is obviously just the best and worst things that come across our social media feeds from the wonderful league that is the NBA. And leading off our Feed Me segment is... Derek Rose, because he took over NBA Twitter on Wednesday night as Derek Rose scored 50. Like, how did, did you catch any of the game, Webby? Like, what was your, did you catch it on scored, Twitter? Like, were you part of the Twitter score? Scored 50, had the game-winning block, and then as uh, your colleague Sid Sixero would say, then he ate the bull. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was kind of following along on Twitter, uh, saw some of the moves, and then, like, I saw that he had 35 after 3, and I was, like, I was super tired, so, and I'm washed. So I went to bed, and then I woke up, and I got into work, and my buddy was like, yo, did you see D. Rose go off for 50? I was like, wait, he scored 50 points? What's crazy to me right. is that was his, that's his career high. Yeah, and his career high, I think it was, like, his first 40-point game since, like, oh, 2011 yeah. Yeah, or Yeah, absolutely. Like that, right? And it's just now, like, it's such a crazy story. Yeah, no, go on. I was going to say, I was, and I, when I heard that, I was like, ah, oh, man, good for Derrick Rose, you know? And then I was like, I don't know if he's a guy, like, I'm kind of two minds about this, right? Like, and do you know what? I'm glad you said it that way because here's, I'll let you go first and then I'll say what, sorry. I no, 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 it's okay. It's sorry, okay. Continue. But like, obviously, like. Everybody, I mean, we watch sports for these second chance stories. We love to see guys come back. We love to see people who go through personal turmoil be able to turn their lives around and get back on the court, do the thing that they love, and do it as well as we've known them to do it. But the Derek, the Derek Rose situation has a lot of layers to it, has a lot of levels to it, right? Where there's some things in there that, that really, you know, maybe he shouldn't be where he is if the allegation, but then you're getting into a whole, it's a whole can of worms, right? It's a whole different can of worms. Right. And here, here's my thing, right. That I'll say yes. Okay. So as this was going on on Twitter and what happens in 2018 is something happens to someone on Twitter, that person becomes trending. And then there's the quick race to be like, to say something negative about that person. Here's why we shouldn't be happy about this. Exactly. And so that's about anybody, right? So I'm not using, I'm not just saying that about Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose only. I just think that's what happens in 2018. And my biggest problem with that is two things. I say this all the time on this podcast, but more than one thing is allowed to exist in the same space. You're absolutely right. right. And now Derrick Rose, 
he was acquitted in the civil trial, right? It was a civil case. And I don't even really want to like dive too deep into that. But I'll say this. Two things are allowed to exist at the same time. Derrick Rose is allowed or anyone is allowed to be bad in one sense. But in another instance, they did something on the court that was really, really good. Like no person is just one thing. But two things are allowed to exist in the same space. So you could think that Derrick Rose is a piece of shit, but you could also appreciate the fact that here's a guy that got injured and was one of the the he was the youngest MVP ever in the league and then he had his his career just like ripped apart by injuries year after year after year after year and then on the court comes back and scores 50 points. You're allowed to look at that and be like, "You know what?" On the court, that's a crazy thing. But off the court, that's a pretty fucked up situation. You're allowed to think both of those things. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I feel like what always happens in 2018 yeah. with this Twitter culture, and especially with the media taking their cues from Twitter culture, which makes no sense to me because it's only, what, 280 characters? Yeah. Right? And it's like someone tweets something about Derrick Rose. It's like, yeah, but you forgot to mention this about the rape case. And it's like bro, I got 280 characters. Like, I'm not writing a novel on his whole entire career. Like, I understand those two things are there, but right now I'm watching a basketball game. I don't know. That That's my, like, my, like, you know, that was my beef with the whole narrative today about, well, make sure you mention this or make sure you mention that. It's like, yes, I understand these two things are going on and both of those things are allowed to exist in the same world. I'm not saying that he's a good person. I'm not saying that he's a horrible person. There's a legal process that happened. There's a legal process that's going to continue that will decide the fate of, you know, what he did or didn't do, right? Like, I'm not a judge, right? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we're not here to judge people's moralities all the time, right? And I think we get caught up in the hot take culture of, like, everything has to be 100% terrible or everything has to be 100% great. And it's like, that's not life. That's not real life. Exactly. And yeah, like, I don't know if compartmentalization is something that is looked down upon in the culture that we live in of outrage culture. Like, are we allowed to say like, or do the alleged crimes override? I, it's so weird. And you know what the problem is? I think like everybody feels like you know we all have a twitter account we all have instagram hey we have a podcast right. right like everybody now has a platform and i think with that platform people feel as if they have to be right about everything right like people aren't able to say right like i feel well, very because confident you know why in, be in having this conversation right now webby and saying listen i don't know everything about the the rape allegations or the rape right. case. i'm okay with saying that and saying that i don't know everything about it and so I can't fully judge and say like, hey, he's a horrible human being and so I should root against him for the rest of his NBA career, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and I don't think that people are able to, as you said, compartmentalize and say like, hey, well, these two things are going on. I don't really know enough about that. That is a really bad allegation and it's a really fucked up situation, but he also did yes. this. Well, I don't even know if we're allowed to compartmentalize. I don't know if that's allowed to happen. It's interesting. Right? It's interesting. The other thing is, too, it's like everybody wants to be the first on Twitter to either point somebody else out or pat themselves on the back for their – Because everybody comes – For their take. Everybody comes for everybody on Twitter. And if you have something in there that's like, hey, you know what? Like I still really like Kanye to – 
despite the MAGA stuff. So that yeah. could come back and bite you at some point. You know, yes. Twitter, great Twitter never lies, right? Like, so everybody has these platforms, but these platforms are used a lot of times to cover people's asses, right? And it may not be necessarily what they think. And I think that the only thing that is good about this new age that we're living in is that at least it is opening up a dialogue for some. I'd love to hear people's opinions on this, even if you adamantly yeah. disagree. No, allowed, please do. Again, if you do disagree, I, even more than I want to hear from you and like talk about this and hear different sure. sides of this story and different, you know, sides of the coin. One thing too, I'm also I want to hear like if our female listeners. I'd love to get like your opinion on this, just because like I feel like as a dude, we come from you know like our own experiences and our own, and especially like, sports you know, culture too, right? Exactly, right? And so I'd love to hear different people's opinions because someone might say something in the comments that really makes me think and be like, oh, you know what? That's that's true. Like, I'm definitely open to the debate and the conversation, the actual conversation, meaning I'm not hell-bent in this point where here's a line in the sand and everything is bad about this guy or everything is good about this guy because that's not real world. That's not the real world. That's not right. real life. So, yeah, let us know what you think, people. Hit us up and, uh, yeah. Remember that social media is just that. It's social media. There's only 280 characters. You're only going to be able to say so much in it. And something as complex as the career of Derrick Rose probably shouldn't be left to arguments in 280 characters. Say what you will about Derrick Rose, but that is a career that definitely deserves more than 280 characters. Definitely. Definitely agree. Uh, let's switch it up a little and, and you know, maybe... Uh, lighten up lighten the, mood. the mood. Lighten the mood. As we talk about the feed me category and uh you know i guess we'll we'll sort of transition into ask on blast because that also you know ties into social media and halloween just occurred right halloween was i guess by the time people hear this two nights prior probably still eating a bunch of uh chocolates oh skittles sour skittles (laughs) sour skittles are the truth my friend amazing um, but the question here at Ask on Blast comes from Chris, and Chris wants to know who won Halloween, and you know the sports world goes crazy, right? Yo, NBA has been really awesome for Halloween very recently, I, and I think it's been I think it's TNT's fault. I think we can I think we have TNT to blame for how great the guys are getting at Halloween costumes because really the the, the Thursday night games were really the some of the first times that you saw the guys come into the arena, like, uh, yes. and now that they're so, like, I mean, listen, LeBron with the fashion and Russ with the fashion is ridiculous nowadays. So these guys see it as a platform that they can go out and have these amazing Halloween costumes. I love it. But I'll tell you. Like, did people, did did athletes really show up to the game in costumes before this year? Like, I don't remember that being a thing last year or years prior. Like, I, am I just forgetting that? If it happened, it was like one dude, right? The one that yeah. I remember was uh, Sheldon Brown for the Eagles came out in the in the Jason mask. But the weirdest thing about that was I think that wasn't even a Halloween game. I think it was just <laughs> like – I think it was just a random game that Sheldon Brown came out in the, the Jason mask. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who won Halloween, but I don't even know if you'll count it. It might be a little uh, – uh, it, it happened about a week and a half ago, but it was Damian Lillard coming in as Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
I thought that was amazing too, right? I thought it he was had so the whole good. get up and the man. He was awesome. It was great. It was great, you know. And he had the belt. He had everything. He had the shirt. I'm pretty he sure had the Stone strut. Cold even retweeted him too. Yeah, he had the Stone Cold strut going on too. Right. It was so good. I thought that was really cool. LeBron, I guess, put a little effort into it. But the thing that ruined LeBron's for me was the fact that he had the Supreme Hammer. <laughs> I like, didn't see that. You didn't no. see that with his costume? The hammer that he had was a Supreme Oh, hammer. that's amazing. It's like, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, that's, like I get it. On one, on one hand, I'm like, I get it. But on the other hand, I'm like, come on, man. Like, really? <laughs> Nobody needs a Supreme Hammer. You know what I'm saying? No, <laughs> I just thought oh, that that's ridiculous. amazing. I just looked that um, up. That's awesome. Other costumes, other costumes. I wanted to point out. Uh, shouts to uh, Canada's tennis queen Jeannie Bouchard. Her and her friend dressed up as Lil Pump and Kanye from uh, that video. I s- and again, yeah, this is a segment where we're talking about visual things on an on an audio platform. But as I said, get your Googles up. It's 2018. Get familiar with some technology and figure it out. But did you catch that one? Did you see that one, Webby? Sorry, which one was that? It was Jeannie Bouchard and one of her friends dressed up as Kanye and Little. Oh, with the square. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see uh, that. That was kind of funny. Um, uh, the one I saw into... was Eric Andre. Uh, okay. And he was one of those rappers. Uh, but I forget what the guys. Oh, was it Takashi? No, it was Triple Red. Oh, and he looked he yeah. looked just like Triple Red. It was wild. Or Trippy Red or tri- yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, Trippy Red, my bad. Um, I enjoyed Jay-Z and Beyonce. I don't know if you saw their costumes, but no. Beyonce was 1980s legend Florence, Florence Griffith Joyner. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember Flojo. Of course. Um, and Jay-Z was Tommy Smith. From 1968, Mexico, you know, and he's doing the pose. I did see it. in the air. I did see it. Obviously, we know Jay uh, said no to the Super Bowl. You need me, I don't need you. Yeah. That's it. I was just dropping some bars there. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. A little sports twist there with the... the With both, with Flo, Joe, and, yeah. Um, Yeah. Totally cool. Did we say Clay? Clay Thompson, I thought, was really fun. Jackie Moon, yeah, Love Me Sexy was, was really good. That's pretty good. Uh, the win, though, might go to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, I didn't see his. He dressed up in just his Steelers uniform. <laughs> but, like, was on the street, like, handing out candy to people. That's like, awesome. In intersections. He's, like, like 20. That was actually funny. He's, like, 21 years old. I don't even know if he's old enough to drink in the States right now. <laughs> he, I will say, appears to be living his best life. Yo, 100%. Like, he just seems to be everywhere. Like, his Instagram feed, he's everywhere just having a good time watching whatever other games when he's not playing football like he's in these streets having fun not so mad at him not mad at him we like athletes that have fun right but now, i also want to ask oh i was gonna I ask, ask you about halloween i was gonna ask you what you went to for halloween as i didn't really i didn't i didn't wear a costume and i went to a party on saturday but it was just my friend's birthday at a bar like it wasn't like a halloween it wasn't per se a Halloween thing. Like there were people there wearing costumes, but it wasn't like everybody was dressed up in a costume. You right, know what I mean? right, right. It wasn't like a serious like this is a Halloween party. So I didn't dress up for Halloween, but I will say I do like I do enjoy the Halloween party thing. Like I do like dressing up. I like trying to come up with a 
a funny costume or whatever. You know, I like seeing other people's costumes that they put thought into that's not just like, I'm a pirate or I'm a sexy pirate or yeah, I'm yeah. not complaining about the sexy no, pirate. No, sexy pirate's out here. you know what here. I'm trying to say. For sure. You know what I'm saying. For sure. Now the, What'd you get up to? So the funniest thing about Halloween for me is that, I mean, I used to work for the score. I used to work for Sportsnet. And as you know, Shelly, when you're doing the highlights, the hours are just brutal. So I have friends who threw, throw a great Halloween party every year. It's like a, a yearly tradition. And mm-hmm. and my whole thing was that I would always show up around 2.30, 3 o'clock, yeah. dressed just regular, and I would come as a, as a highlight, per, you know, like a, like a BA or, or, or a voicing yeah, yeah, reporter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I always love Halloween because, honestly, like, it's my favorite, like, party day, more than New Year's Eve, more than um, St. Patty's Day. Even more than, like, May 2-4 weekend or Canada Day. I love getting after it on Halloween. And I sure. I never really – so because I was working so late and my uh, girlfriend, now wife, was in the serving industry, right? So she would always get off late. So this year we actually had the weekend off. We went out to Toronto. We went to my friend's Halloween party. Shout out to Alex and Emily. And we did the couple's costume. But it was – we're so washed that it's like a reference from the 90s. We were okay. we were Wayne and Garth. That's a solid costume. Nothing wrong. With Not that. bad. Been done. However, there were some good there were some good costumes at this party. Was at maybe not the best costumes, but this girl showed up at like again three o'clock in the morning, two thirty in the morning, dressed <laughs> dressed as craft dinner, and was fucking <laughs> drunk as shit. She came in ready to light the party on fire. I was impressed. Uh... I was very impressed. We had shout out to Halloween, yo, man. I love Halloween and dressing up and dress up parties and all that. It's a, I just was out of it this year, and probably the only reason I was even out was just because it was my buddy's birthday. But yeah, well, you know what? During a normal, still a primo, a primo party weekend. Whenever that Halloween weekend is, it's always great because it's not. It, it's not hot. It's like you know jacket weather. You got slutty pirates walking around. It's amazing. And people are out to have a good time, too, right? Like, you go to a good Halloween party, it's a good time. And young bucks in your, like, late teens, 20s, you know, go out and have a good time and enjoy Halloween. Halloween is definitely (laughs) one of the the best, like, party weekends. And also, like, always think about – I'm going to give you young bucks some some tips here. Always think about what your costume is, right? Because remember, at the end of the day, as Webby said, I mean, you're going out – Halloween. A lot of people are out to have a good time. You don't want to be anything too crazy that like might stop the progress of your night. Let's or say. having to carry it home the next day. Yes, carried like a big huge box somewhere, <laughs> or you can't get in a cab or yeah, something. Yeah, because your R two D two costume is too bulky. <laughs> uh so good, so good. Uh, Webby, though, that was. Also so good was this podcast. I thought that was uh, a lot of fun. Had a good a, time. A spooky episode of the Ball on Blast podcast. Hey, man, we hit you with some basketball talk. We hit you with some serious talk. Ooh, we hit you with some yeah. Halloween talk. An eclectic mix this week, Webby. But if people right. want to get an eclectic mix of your tweets or your takes, where can they find you, Mr. Andrew Webster? The positive Fultz energy is coming from at a Webster 84 on Twitter and uh, a lot of pictures of food on my Instagram. That's also (laughs) at a Webster 84 because as you mentioned, we are washed, Shelly. So there's (laughs) a lot of food on the Instagram. 
Amazing, amazing. And my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And those are the same places where you can find all the info that's going on in the On Blast world, including this pod- podcast, the Ball On Blast podcast. Post-game which- podcast? Yes, that is a thing too. And, you know, you can find this podcast, which me and myself, me, myself, and Andrew Webster. Did I just say that? I really me- just said that. Yeah, me, myself, and Andrew Webster. And That's what yeah. I just said. Am I? Right. Maybe I'm doing this podcast. There's someone else beside me that you just can't. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but <laughs> you can find the Ball on Blast podcast. Shout out to the people on SoundCloud and on iTunes and Google Play. And shout out to the people on the YouTube page who have been checking it out, liking and commenting, and you know, really enjoying the new project we got out, which is the Wrap It Up. Raps post game show. Raptors fans, tune in after each and every Raptor game. You can find that feed live on Twitter at Shell Alexander, or it turns into a podcast which you can listen to the next day on your commute, your morning commute. Find out what you missed, find out the takes on what happened in the Raptor game the night before. Again, you can find that on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play by searching On Blast Podcast. And again, YouTube, watch videos, like, comment. Tell me how bad my voice sounds. And yes, hopefully you enjoyed this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast, which, you know, me and Webby just go through a lot of NBA talk, right, Webby? Yeah, man. Like like we've said earlier, man, there's something that happens every night. Okay. Something that happens every night in the NBA, and this is the place where you can hear us talk about it each and every week. Again, I am Sheldon Alexander, and as a wise man once said, I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.